You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to bring Mr. Ryan Rucco up to the stage. And since we're talking about young, high-ceiling talent, that certainly fits the bill with Ryan, who's a yes broadcaster. And I'm selling him short because he does about 21 other different things. But again, thank you on behalf of the New York Yankees and the Steinbrenner family. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you to all of you for being here. I think uh, it's a cool event that the Yankees are putting on, sort of building on the momentum that I know all of you felt at the end of last season as we start to get to know some of the young faces in this organization that will soon be taking the field in the Bronx. And we're all happy to get to share this day with you, the centerpiece of this winter warm-up week that the Yankees are doing. So we're going to have a couple fun Q&As with your guys' participation. And we'll kick it off with a, a man who has been in the organization since the 80s and is about to enter his 20th season as general manager, and that is Brian Cashman. Welcome, Brian. Good to be here. Hello, everybody. So just start things off asking you this. You've been in this organization a long time now and about to be 20 years as GM. It, it feels like this is a different era, that th there's a new wave, a new movement going on right now with this team. How would you describe what this period of time in Yankees history feels like? Well, I have been here a while. I mean, <laughs> I started as an intern in 86, so this is my 20th year as GM, but, uh, you know, it dials all the way back. And, and that experience does serve me well, uh, I think, because... I haven't forgotten, you know, where we were in the 80s, you know, when I first started, uh, and then I became the assistant farm director, I moved to Tampa for three years, I was the assistant GM for six years, four under Gene Michael, and back then, you know, we were more of a second division team, and we were building a system, and to be honest, at the time, we didn't know at the powder keg we were sitting on when we had two different Williams, we had Gerald and Bernie, and we had you know, two high-end left-handed starters. We had Hitchcock and Pettit, and we had two Riveras, and the one that turned out to go to the Hall of Fame, which hasn't started for him yet, but will be, as we know, in Mariano, Ruben, the younger, the, the cousin, was the better one. He was the number one prospect in our system at the time as an outfielder in the next Mickey Mantle. So I remember back then about, you know, some of the, you know, struggles we were having at the big league level, but the young stuff that was growing together at the minor league level and then our fans obviously were walking through that with us and grew with them and collectively we all got to enjoy something you know for quite a long time so uh, that experience has served me well and I haven't forgotten living through that process because I think maybe the most recent generation the last 10 15 20 years has been all they're used to is that you know glory but sometimes it's gory before glory <laughs> And thankfully, it hasn't been gory for us, you know, to be honest. I mean, I think 84 wins is the lowest win total we've had in, in quite a long time. And, and that's something to be proud of at the same time. But we're about championships, and we're trying to get ourselves back to championships. And obviously hoping that, you know, there's a championship core somewhere in your system being developed right now. I know probably the number one question that Yankees fans always ask when they hear prospects' names is, well, when is he going to be in the big leagues, right? When is he ready? How hard is it to know when a guy is ready for that stage? Well, I mean, theoretically, you want them to knock the doors down, you know, and, and you know, announce their presence that way where they can't be denied. But sometimes, you know, uh, like we had an older prospect that showed up back in the day, 
when David Cohen got a bite on his finger with a dog, and next thing you know, El Duque got his debut, even though it was an older rookie, clearly. But still, sometimes your name gets called, but you know, not at the perfect time. You're filling in for an injury. You're filling in for a lack of performance. You know, Birdie, the two years ago, obviously had to step up when we lost Tex with a broken leg, and boom, he was in the big leagues. He started the season, I think, that year at Trenton, and uh, and next thing you know, he you know was hitting you know, uh, probably 15 or so home runs in the big league level two, year, two years ago for us. So you don't ne necessarily know. You can try to forecast and project. And, uh, but when you have some, some of the skills levels some of these guys possess, it can come a lot quicker, you know, and that's what we hope to have. We're trying to get as much of a collection of talent that, you know, when, you know, that avalanche comes, it comes really quick individually and collectively and therefore for the team too. Uh, Gary Sanchez certainly provided an avalanche in his couple months in the big leagues. I don't know that we're going to expect 20 home runs every two months that he's in the big leagues, but what are reasonable expectations you think on a consistent basis from Gary, Brian? Yeah, I can't say number-wise, but I can tell you this. I mean, when we signed him, and I remember still being down in that, you know, he worked out for us in Boca Chica many years ago now because he's been around for a while. Our fan base, you know, has known that name for quite some time, and he's been through trade rumors and all these different stuff, and and the growing pains. Uh, but his ceiling has always been the top of the, the middle of the lineup bat and, you know, top of the defensive profile because he's got a cannon of an arm. And, and we've been waiting on it and it's been patient. And I can tell you this, you know, we have a great team of, you know, coaches and scouts and analytic people in the front office and stuff that collectively, you know, have helped me recommend to, you know, my bosses above that when we, you know, because I have a fiduciary, fiduciary obligation to basically any yeah. trade offer comes my way, you kick it around, you digest it, and then you make sure your ownership knows about it. And, and thank God we've said, well, this is what's on the table, and this is what teams are trying to do, and this is, we wouldn't recommend this, but I'm glad we have a team of people that said, hold on this guy, hold on this guy, hold on this guy, and boy, did, you know, that really pay off. You saw the, uh, the initial, uh, you know, you know, a play of Gary Sanchez last summer, which invigorated this franchise. And, you know, that's what happens. That's the exciting part is when these young guys enwrap themselves in such a positive way, it, you know, it, it just excites everybody, including the veterans that are on the team. You know, I, I had so many people come up to me at, at points at the end of last season saying, oh, man, I'm having so much fun. This is as much fun as I've had since whenever really – you know, getting into this group and getting behind, uh, you know, what you guys did at the trade deadline and then obviously moving forward the last couple months of the season. I'm wondering, as you look at the team as currently constructed now with the, you know, offseason winding down, what has to happen this season in order to take a leap from last season? Well, uh, we still have to rely on our veteran core, um, even though that veteran core is shrinking. Uh, we have to stay healthy, especially in the rotation. Uh, so that's with Masahiro Tanaka, that's with Pineda, that's with uh, Sabathia, um, to allow the young kids, you know, that are going to be competing for the fourth and fifth spot. We're going to have five guys at least, you know, including Warren, competing for the fourth and fifth starter spot. And so you don't want to turn this into with injuries hit. Next, you know, those two spots are competing for with five guys turned into three or four spots are competing for because that, uh, that's asking far too much. Um, so the health of the front of the rotation is extremely important to allow the kids to slot properly at the back of the rotation and get their sea legs under them. Um, and then generally, you know, you want to stay healthy overall. Uh, so all these guys, if, listen, if we stay healthy and our players play up to their capabilities, 
or if they take that step forward, we could be a really strong team to be reckoned with. I've, I've heard from enough people around, like they really like the direction we're going. They, you know, uh, these are baseball experts within my field, you know, not necessarily covering the game, but, you know, general manager counterparts, scouts that I deal with from other teams that I got a lot of respect for. And when they stop and say, hey, you're sitting on something that's gonna be really special and the American League East in a few years is gonna have you know, you to deal with and the Yankees before, and that's before all this money clears off. You know, we're trying to create something that uh, you guys can be really proud about. Again, like, uh, you know, many times, you know, you've been proud in the past. Now, reminder, you guys, if you have questions, you can just put your hand up. PR will find you and, and direct you to one of our microphones. And thanks to everybody who's watching live on Yankees.com as well. You know, Cash, wanted to ask you also about maybe giving us a name or two that we haven't heard as much. We're going to hear from some of the real prospects in this organization in a little bit, but I know you guys are deep now. Who, who's a name for fans that maybe, maybe they haven't heard that they should start being aware of? Well, that's a tough one, I mean, because we're really covered well. So is it a name <laughs> they haven't heard that might somehow impact our major league club in 2017? Or you're talking about like some nugget underneath? Let's, how about you give me both? All right. Well, Let's get the nugget underneath first. Uh, nugget underneath. There's no, there's, there's no shocking stories. Yeah. I mean, we're like, this team is covered better than any team, I think, in the planet. <laughs> um, so give me, give me some th time to think about it. And, okay, uh, and how about someone who may impact in 2017? A name that we may know or, or not know, who you could see coming up this year. Uh, there's a left-handed reliever that we got. He was designated by the Detroit Tigers named Mantiply, and he's a good, he's a soft-tossing situational lefty that, I know that Jim Leland grabbed me. It was like, you snookered us when we claimed him on waivers, then we lost him. We we're going to lose him. We had the designated for assignment to clear roster spots, so we had to release him. And we signed him back to a minor league contract before anybody could get him. On, and uh, Jimmy Leland you know, grabbed me at the winter meetings, and he was like, that kid can get lefties out. And so you know, we, we wanted him as an insurance policy, his depth here. And so he's probably a non-Yankee. Uh, radar person because you know he hit a roster for a very short period of time this winter when we claimed him on waivers from the Tigers and then based on administrative stuff with a release and sign back boom all right apparently the alarm agrees with your assessment of your reliever that's going to be the sound in hitters minds this coming year we're gonna take some fan questions we'll begin with you sir if you could just say your Thanks, name Ryan, or where you're from uh, my name is Joe Mangiardo from Wayne New Jersey and uh, Brian I, I don't have so much of a question other than I just want to make sure that you know from at least one longtime Yankees uh, point of view, I love, love, love what you have done. Every move you've made the last six months, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the kids. I'm glad you didn't trade for a Chris Sale, uh, and I am looking forward big time to the, uh, to the process and uh, coming up with something great in the next few years. Yeah, thank you. It, it felt like at the end of last season and, and at the trade deadline too, that was a, a, a very common sentiment amongst the fans. How rewarding was it to see the way, because there was questions, okay, can Yankees fans deal with that kind of, you know, moves that sort of focus more on the youth? And they really did. They welcomed them with open arms. Yeah, it was, it was exciting. I mean, bottom line is first and foremost, there's still more growing pains. Uh, you know, we, we definitely excelled in the second half with some of the young kids that came up. Some had massive success that you've never seen historic like Gary Sanchez, and some struggled like uh, Aaron Judge. You're gonna see more of those, and it's more likely struggles than non-struggles, but, but again, you know, uh, 
that's where it's like experience serves me well. I remember when Bernie Williams came up and Bernie Williams went down three years and he burnt all his options, you know, until he became Bernie in his arbitration year, his third plus year in the big leagues, he was getting his sea legs under him and then boom, then he finally established himself, took off and he's a borderline Hall of Fame player. You know, maybe he gets in, maybe he doesn't, who knows, but, but he was a tremendous rock for the New York Yankees for, for so long in a championship drive, a switch hitting power defensive center fielder. Uh, but it takes a while for them to, you know, uh, to chisel that diamond, so to speak, and turn it into rock into diamond. And, and so we feel we have, you know, a lot of gold nuggets down there uh, that some will take more time than others. I mean, Glaber Torres, you talked about earlier, you'll see him later tonight. He's 19 years old. So his name is getting a lot of recognition. Um, but he's going to be, he's from Venezuela. He's first time ever in New York City, and he's getting his start in double A in cold weather for the first time this year. So his name is already so much within the Yankee household, but you know, you don't, don't really plan on seeing him, you know, at least uh, soon, you know, if he comes faster, so be it. But definitely see the fan base exciting, feeling the, the fan base's excitement. They were, you know, they're ready for the change, ready, you know, for us to, to take that next step forward. And they want, I mean, the one thing as I do know is you love to grow up with these guys. You want to be there for their beginning, middle, and the end, and uh, and but obviously you want championships, you know, throughout the process. So that's what you know, that's what we're trying to accomplish. So, go ahead, sir. Hi, Mark Peters, Bronx, New York, uh, season ticket holder, 31 years. First of all, thank you to Steinbrenner family. Uh, Dad was the best. He only cared about the fans and winning, and uh, it didn't matter what anybody said. Brian. Uh, as an ex-college baseball player, my concern with watching the team the last few years is that nobody in the organization after Didi appears to know how to bunt the ball. And nobody, either because they thought they were better or the veterans, would be able to hit against the ship. So with all the young guys coming up, is there something that you sit down with Joe and the coaches and say, look, we got to teach these guys to be Dave Collins and all these other guys and be able to have a full fastball glove? Well, I mean, I think uh, first and foremost, we're going to go through that. Uh, we're going to allow the athletic profile to play out. So if you are capable of doing things, you know, we want them to gravitate to it. Uh, I think what you saw in the last few years was there are certain players, mostly veteran, that were, you know, either uncomfortable doing it, didn't feel they were good enough at doing it, uh, or unwilling to do it. And uh, the one thing that, you know, I think any good manager would tell you, you know, is uh, you don't want to put your players in a position to, to continue to repeat to ask them to do something that they can't do, won't do, or they're not having, gonna have success doing. So um, the bottom line is we're, we're gonna have obviously a younger team they have a lot more capabilities of doing things that you, you'd like to see when necessary. Uh, and that's a good thing. I mean, I think we'll be a lot more diverse. We'll have some power, we'll have some speed. We're, you know, they're gonna have to do some more small ball uh, because some of the, the shifting clearly has gotten us uh, having to transition away from maybe the big hairy monsters I used to talk about that take advantage of that short right field porch and have a more athletic offensive and defensive uh, versatile team and, you know, We'll see how, where it takes us, but I think you're going to see that type of play more often than you have in the last number of Thank years. Thank you. All right, let's continue with the gentleman up there. How you doing? Uh, my name's John. I'm from Queens. First of all, I'd like to thank you for everything you did the last two years. I think it was long overdue that we had to rebuild because we needed it. The farm system was depleted, and you did a great job, especially last year, bringing in some good talent. 
but I think the consensus is from every Yankee fan, two years from now, big free agent class, what's going to happen? Is it Bryce Harper, Machado, Harvey, are any of them in the future? I think everybody wants to know that because everybody, talk around baseball is Bryce Harper will be a Yankee. What do you... I had to drill you with that. You're trying to get me suspended. <laughs> um, the, I mean, if Judge doesn't pan out, uh, you got to do something. Well, this is my hope. Well, first and foremost, you know, as you're seeing, we're transitioning from, you know, contracts that we, you know, uh, invested heavily in. It did pay off for us in 09. And now you rob, pay Paul, rob Paul to pay Peter and rob Peter to pay Paul, I guess. You could rob them both, pay yeah, them both. So. <laughs> So anyway, the, at the end of the day, uh, we are going to be in a position, you know, to do a number of things and maybe, you know, turn the clock back to, you know, to be the big game hunters that we and you have accustomed to being. And, uh, but our hope is, in the meantime, that some of the high-end ceiling position players, like you see in a Gary Sanchez, that, you know, I know the, the talk of the big free agent class in 2018 has been already discussed before the 2016 season started. Like, oh, the Yankees are going to wait, reset their clock, and go after these guys. And since that time, you saw one of our, you know, gold nuggets pop out of our system and establish himself as potentially one of the, you know, high-end young players in the game. If we can have a few more of those, you know, you know, it allow us to have a lot of different choices to see what's in the open market at the time. And, and who's to say, you know, the, the rumors out there, you know, are the necessary ones. I mean, it, first and foremost, we all want what we have in that system to become what the younger guys in this game are as they are approaching the free agency and had their success and established themselves. We want our guys to be those guys six years from now. And hopefully this crew and some of these guys in this crew can become those guys. And therefore you're not having to rely on the go to marketplace and, and pay a steep price, you know, dep depending on, you know, regardless of what their talent level is. So out of respect for the other team's talent, I can't speak to those guys that are potentially future free agents. But I can tell you this, our hope is that the young guys we have in our system can become some of the young great players in the game going forward. That's, the, that's what we're doing. Thank you. Go ahead, sir. Hi. Sam Toller from Bronx, New York. I'm a big Yankee fan. Certainly, I'd love him to win in 2018, but certainly I want to look forward to 2017. I know you mentioned a lot of question marks in the rotation for this year. Is there any trade or free agent that possibly you could, uh, you know, that's on the front burner possibly before spring training to improve the team for this year? Well, I've certainly exhausted, you know, when I entered the winter process, you know, I think I was very public with, you know, we'd like to improve the starting rotation. You know, I said pitching, pitching, pitching. That starts with the rotation, the bullpen, and we'd like to get a, you know, a bat, you know, that would basically be a DH opportunity and a short-term deal. So we are able to check off Matt Holliday as the DH. We are able to check off bringing Chapman back to, you know, reinforce that bullpen. <laughs> and despite not having anything as of yet to show for the rotation efforts, the efforts have been there all winter. But the price tags, uh, have, in terms of trade-wise, have been extremely steep. We'll stay on it. We'll keep working at it. But I don't think anybody in here wants us to make a bad deal where, you know, we give up way more uh, than necessary. And uh, so patience is a part of it, too. Uh, Discipline is a part of it. Uh, we're going to stay engaged. The free agent market wasn't good with the rotation options, so we stayed out of that. Uh, and 
you know, we'll see where it takes us. So I'm going to stay engaged. I don't have anything as of right now. Doesn't mean I'm going to have anything in spring training. But you just stay after it. You stay engaged with the, the teams out there, and things shake out over time. And but in the meantime, we are going to rely on what we have. Uh, uh, I'm not going to lie to you about that. We're going to rely on Masahiro Tanaka and Pineda uh, and CC. Pineda and CC are free agents at the end of the year. Tanaka can opt out if he has a great year if he chooses. And but we have. It's important to get these five. We have five kids. I use Warren as a kid, but he's not necessarily a kid. But those five guys are going to compete for the spots. And we need to find out a lot about these guys because it sets up the present, but it's also going to allow us to know what we may or may not have as 2018 goes and beyond. As, as I just pointed out, we could have three guys in the rotation to be free agents at the end of 17 if they're all healthy, you know, if Tanaka opts out. So we need to find out what we have in the system. We have good young pitching coming, but you're gonna have to, we're going to have to you know, learn with it and grow with it a little bit too. But in the meantime, I will stay on the trade market, I promise you that, because I do know that it's an area of need. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Mr. Cashman, Phil from Long Island. How are you? You kind of answered my question already, but I, I didn't want to leave the podium. It's embarrassing. <laughs> so I was going to say, it seems like we're giving the kids a lot of time to develop, but we're not going to lose focus of the free agent market. As you, as you just mentioned, we're going to stick to the free agent and, and go after what we need, or we're really giving the kids a lot of time to develop. Well, we're definitely going to give the kids uh, time to develop. The free agent market's not going to produce a starter that we're comfortable signing, so, uh, uh, so maybe next free agent market could be different. So the trade market's the more realistic route, but at this stage, I'd say it's less realistic. I mean, uh, most teams are willing, we, we've shown our cards of what we're willing to do. We've put our best foot forward. If any of the teams that still have starting pitching that might have an interest in playing, you know, in the pool I'm willing to swim in, then we can go do business. But at this stage, since they haven't, I'd say they're not willing to do so, and we're gonna wind up seeing what we got in, cam in camp. Is that approach because in the old days we used to go get the fish sales and, and now we're not we're not as, as, as rambunctious as to get them we're giving the kids more time so how, how hard is that to, to change the philosophy and, and having patience as opposed to getting the fish sale well I, I you know if you saw what they got for sale for instance you you know uh, I, I don't know if I've tried to play in my mind what the equivalent type deal would be from the Yankees is is Moncada the Gary Sanchez or you know, you either have to give up a Gary Sanchez type, you know, would yeah. be the equivalent of a Mokata. Uh, then you have to play around with your next, you know, is it a Caprillion, a Chance Adams, a Justice Sheffield, or, you know, uh, or a Severino. It would probably be a Severino right now, you know. So those would be the two primers just to get the ball rolling with the other two players yet to be named to try to match up for sale. And all of a sudden, next you know, you're, you're tearing down everything you started to build up and payroll flexibility is vitally important. I can tell you the, you know, as great as the boss was the greatest owner in all sports, the, the, the chessboard that he had to play on, uh, and and he played it as well as anybody could ever play that chess game. But the game, the rules of the games have changed now. So now there's essentially feels like a salary cap, and there's revenue sharing, and there's luxury taxes, there's a lot of restrictions and penalties that we have to we're trying to operate and and work through. And uh, and so therefore, writing a big check to pull down, you know, uh, you know, the best free agent starter and dropping 300 million, for instance, between a combination of players, which we've done and we've done many years, many times, and I've been a part of that. You know, right now, timing's everything. And there, uh, and and I remember, as an, as an example, in 08, you know, when uh, Johan Santana was available, I. I felt we weren't quite ready yet for Johan Santana doing a four-for-one trade for a starting pitcher.
because our system and our players and the balance of what where we were at the upper levels and the veterans on the club, it just wasn't there yet. I thought we were at least a year away. A year later, we wound up using our resources, signing CC and a bunch of other guys in the free agent market, kept our system, and we wound up winning the World Series in 09. Uh, I feel like we're going, I love the trajectory we're going as this organization. Is I think we're going in the right direction. We're doing the right things. We're making the right collective decisions from ownership to player development to pro scouting to front office and the analytics combination. I think we're all in alignment and we're getting there and we're getting there in the right pace, but there's patience too. And you got to be smart about the, the, the next steps. You don't want to take a misstep where you can throw everything off. I've seen other clubs do that where it's all of a sudden they decided we're going to go all in, even though they weren't quite ready. To, if you assessed it, they made a miss a step in the process and hurt themselves. We don't want to take any missteps. We want to take every step where at the end of the day, this is 09 right here. We want the next one. Every decision we make, small or big, is about trying to get us all closer to that next world championship effort. And, uh, you know, that's all I can ask and tell you that that's what we're trying to do. Trust us. Thank you, Phil. Let's go up top there. Yep. Uh, Brian, hi. My name is Charles Cheneau, and uh, our company, Insurance, is a sponsor of the Yankees. I think you could give us a little insight on a move that you did not make, uh, and maybe no one else would find it interesting, but I thought I'd be curious about what your thought was. I know this year you want to play the younger players. You've got the luxury tax. You want to give, like, Aaron Judge and others to play in the outfield. But when you saw Edwin Encarnacion kind of, like, you know, whistling in the wind there for a while, and his contract was coming down to the 60 million and the three-year level. Did you ever think about that, even though that may not have been in your immediate plans? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's my uh, it's my job to vet every opportunity, uh, and obviously the market certainly um, did not wind up where Edwin Encarnacion or maybe the industry all expected. But this was an industry flush with bats. He's a tremendous player. Uh, he's been a fierce competitor up in Toronto against us for a long time now. Um, so we've known him well. And yeah, we've, we looked into it, we talked about it, but again, given where we currently are, the payroll flexibility that we're gonna try to provide ourselves moving forward, um, the draft pick it was gonna cost us at the same time, uh, again, the timing wasn't right. And just as important, we, we got two kids knocking on the door that are cost effective that are they Edwin and Carcion? No, they're not, you know, but their ceilings are pretty, you know, interesting. And the only way to find out about them is, is to provide it. And so uh, we did talk through it. We walked through it. We discussed it. I talked to ownership about it. Um, but for a lot of reasons, uh, from young prospect ready to go plug and play, we hope, uh, or prospects to the, the the financial commitment, which goes against our current payroll structure, to losing that draft pick, which I think right now, off the top of my head, is going to be the highest pick we've picked since I've been here. You know, in the 20 years as GM, because uh, I think we moved up from 16 to 15, so I think we're a little higher this year than last year. All of those things factored into a decision to stand down, and that wasn't easy. That that's the difficult part of this process, where because there's always oppor opportunities of uh, being presented to yourself. And then you have to go through it, and you have to talk through it, and then you have to make a tough decision. Um, and hopefully all those decisions we're collectively making are going to add up to a better present and a better future for us, because uh, that's the combination we're playing on right now, the present and the future, not just all in for next year. 
Thank you, Charles. We're going to take one more for Brian Cashman here. Then we're going to have some of those prospects as well as current Yankees up here for a Q&A with your guys' participation as well. Going to do a little trivia as well with some cool prizes, and we appreciate everybody watching on Yankees.com. Go ahead, sir. Hi. Uh, my name is Chris Isidore. I'm from uh, Montclair, New Jersey. Um, I want to say I really appreciate the fact that when the Yankees do rebuild, they, they don't burn it down the house. They don't go into last place. They don't fall off a cliff the way a lot of teams do when they rebuild. That you were able to put an interesting and somewhat competitive team on the field right to the end of the season. My question is, what happens, what do we expect for this year if we get to mid-season, get to the trade deadline, and we're again about a 500 club, we're middle of the pack, we're um, maybe not within reach of a real playoff spot. Are we looking at another trade-off of veterans? Are we looking at trade-off of players who are um, free agents at the end of this year? Or, or do we say, well, we've already got a 40-man uh, roster jam coming at the end of this offseason. We don't need to have more prospects than we can even protect. We'll, 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 we'll give these veterans the chance to finish out the season just because it doesn't make sense to, to be sellers two years in a row like this. <laughs> um, let's talk see. to us in July. Well, it's, it's, it's a complicated uh, scenario because I can tell you it was not easy. Um, ownership is committed to trying to provide a, a tremendous product on a day in and day out basis. We have season ticket holders, you know, and even if you're not a season ticket holder, you could be, you know, just somebody buying a regular, you know, games ticket. They want you to come to that ballpark at Yankee Stadium and walk away with your family having the best time. But they also know that you're, you're putting your hard-earned money. This is one thing, you know, the boss taught his kids and stuff, and he respects. You, you're coming out there to enjoy this team and watch it compete and hopefully win. And I can tell you the Steinbrenner family take that very seriously. So it was a discussion that we had this past summer that wasn't easy and how Steinbrenner and his family took great pains into making decisions uh, very carefully about what we do and what he would and wouldn't approve. And, we, yeah, we wound up trading off and, and making trades to speed up the process for ourselves. I can't guarantee, I can't put myself in his shoes and his family's shoes this summer if we, if, if we find ourselves and me recommending to them Right now, this is what I think we should do, and it would be a back-to-back -back situation. I don't know what they would do. I know what I'll do. I'm going to make whatever, you know, they're paying me to give them an honest answer. I think the best baseball operations throughout the sport is assessing your players well and assessing yourself well. Don't get fooled by things and just having those blinders on and, and going straight forward with whatever's best. And, uh, and whatever's in our best interest, I will recommend if it's gutting the system because this thing all came together and going forward because we have a chance to be a champion potentially next year as early as next year, then all, all in. That's the recommendation that could come out of my mouth. If it's, if it's actually tearing it down again for back-to-back -back years so we could be the best team we can possibly be in that Uber team, then I'll make that recommendation. But I don't know what you know, course he'll plot out. You know, all I can do is put in my two cents and then – I've got a seat at the table I'm lucky enough to have. It's like the Knights of a Round Table. He has a, a president, a CFO, uh, you know, he's got the ticket director, you know, sponsorship director. You know, we had a sponsor talk to us earlier. He takes that seriously. The, the, you know, people are investing in this franchise and he's trying to invest back with, you know, delivering on a promise of giving you, 
the best team possible as soon as possible. And, and I, I can tell you this, he takes that very seriously. And so hopefully we're not in a position to look to, to, to do a second year of a sell. We're looking to take that next step and be a championship contending team. You know, I expect in the front end of the season, we'll have some growing pains with the youth and the weather and all that stuff and getting used to the New York. And then I, the summer and beyond, I have a feeling that, you know, you're going to start to see some of that patience potentially pay off and, and then off we go. But uh, that's usually how that stuff works out, if you have the right talent and the right players. But we'll see. We'll see. You got time for one more, Cash? Absolutely. I kind of, you know, I, I, I misled you there. As long but as you need me. I, we want to take this young woman's question up on the left side. Hi, I'm Anne-Marie from Manhattan, and I've been a season Sunday ticket holder since 87, so I've seen pretty much everything you've seen except from the cheap seats. And I just want to ask you, other than health, which is every GM's issue, what do you see as the biggest obstacle this year for this team? And just a shout-out, Hope Week is awesome. Was a shout-out? Hope Week is awesome. Oh, Hope, cool. Hope Week Hope is Week awesome. Hope Week is amazing. Yes, it is amazing. Yeah, Jason Zillow and uh, the Steinbrenner family, you know, uh, they do an amazing job of, of allowing that to play out. Um, in terms of your question, I got to follow up to you then. Like the biggest obstacle, you talking about opponent? No, not at all. Um, I mean, like, what do you see this team? If you, obviously you want them to win the World Series, but you want to be realistic as well. So, what do you think is going to be their biggest obstacle to getting to the, get that ring? Like in '94 and '95, the excitement was there again. It was really awesome to be a part of it after suffering through the late '80s and early '90s. And so the feeling is starting to be there again for this team, the excitement of what is to come, but it's not quite there yet. So what do you see as the reason why it's not quite there yet? Well, we have, you know, again, we have uh, in right field, you know, between Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks, you know, those two guys are going to compete. And uh, listen, Hicks has got a great deal of talent. I know we saw him struggle a lot last year. And uh, so I'll speak to Hicks briefly here. He struggled almost entirely during the process where he was a part-time player with us. Uh, he had some success when early in the season, uh, he broke, he had a great spring training early in the season. He didn't play much because our veterans were playing and we had a lot of off days. And it wasn't until Alex Rodriguez got hurt. So then I think it was about a three week period where Alex was down rehabbing a, and recovering from a pulled muscle in his leg. And Hicks started to play and he played well. Alex came back because Beltran went to right now uh, and Beltran went to DH so Hicks went to right. So when Alex came back, Beltran went back to right, and Alex became the DH, and then Hicks sputtered again. So then once we did the deadline sell-off and Beltran went, Hicks went back out in the outfield, and then for an extended period of time, he played extremely well, and then he hurt himself. My point being, he's got great skill set. He's got a lot of tools, and, and it seems to me, from what I watched last year, if he has a chance to play every day, you have a chance to maybe scratch the surface of that potential he really has. Um, Aaron Judge is a guy that so far, number one draft pick, has dominated every level and conquered every level at the minor league level of professional baseball. Uh, his first year he ever struggled in his professional career was, was his first year at AAA the year before. So this past year we were all in our baseball operations like bracing ourselves. All right, this is an important year because if the follow-ups, you know, you had the 250 at-bats maybe the second half of 15 uh, in AAA and it was not good. So 16 was going to be vitally important. If he doesn't establish himself, then we're looking at something, a declining asset, so to speak. And he established himself. He was a monster at AAA and did a tremendous job and earned his right to get to the big league level. 
And then what did he do at the big league level? You know, he struggled a little bit, obviously, or struggled mightily for a while, you know, in his short stint. Um, so his makeup, his physical tool set, his mindset is, I figure this out. I take a step backwards with our coaches and his aptitude. I'll figure this out and, and plow through it. So obviously 17 now is that new test for him. He can be something pretty incredible. He, he's got some huge power. So, so I play around in right field as an unknown with a lot of upside. I play around with first base, Berg, who had looked great in 2015, and, and people forget he was our number one hitting prospect. He was number one, number one position player prospect in our entire system uh, prior to the injury. So I was in 15, and he hatched out and proved why. And that was a system that included Gary Sanchez. So people forget that. I don't because, you know, we do those rankings in our offices. Who do we like the best? Who do we think is the safest bet? That goes number one. Here's number two. And Bird was number one back in 2015. And then he hatched out of that egg and was tremendous and in a pennant race for us and helped us make a wild card. So he's coming back after a tough shoulder injury. What's he going to be? He played in the fall league, struggled a little bit, but that was not about real competition, about knocking the rust off. So between him and Austin, those are two important positions that, you know, are going to compete at first in, in right field. Where are they going to be? How are they going to impact us? They're unknowns. And then that also leaves the rest of the, you know, position players, whether it's Gardy, Ellsbury, Headley, Didi, Castro, Sanchez, to keep doing what they're doing and getting better and improving or trying to get better and, and stay the course and stay healthy. So um, there's some question marks. I don't know. You know, uh, the biggest unknown is, our, I guess, uh, the, the thing working for ourselves is we're starting to get better. We're, but, you know, I think nobody's going to pick us right now, and that's good. So, you know, let us – let us do our thing. Let us keep finishing ourselves off, and and uh, next thing you know, grow. You know, you know. Before you, they know it, we'll be right there in front of them. I know people are going to pick Toronto. People are going to pick Boston. I get it. That's fine. You know, uh, that's why I called the Red Sox. You know, they're like the uh, let them be the Golden State Warriors. You know, they're going to have to deal with the pressure of trying to withstand that and play perfect baseball for 162 games. Um, but our guys, I think, are hungry, and they have an attitude that. Uh, they want to prove that they, they belong on the field with anybody. And so we'll see where it takes us. Thank you. Brian, this was great perspective. Thank you all for asking Brian the questions. And Brian, thank you for being here for this. Thanks for having us. Thanks for supporting us. All right. Now, we are, we're going to end up having a lot of the, the prospects that you guys are so anxious to learn more about uh, come up here in just a moment, as well as some current Yankee stars, too. But Brian, I don't know if he knows this or not, but that his gift is going to be given away right now because he is giving you guys all a chance at something pretty cool right now if you can get a trivia question correctly. Now, I believe how we're going to do this is we're just going to have somebody raise their hand, and I'll call on you for the answer. But the prize, courtesy of Brian, is four tickets to sit in Brian's suite to a mutually agreed-upon home game in 2017. So... Somebody from our wonderful PR staff will come and grab you after you get this correct. And the question is, with an 84-78 and 78 record in 2016, the Yankees posted their 24th consecutive season with a winning record, the second longest stretch in Major League history. What team holds the record for the longest stretch? Ooh, who do we want to call on? Back with the bracelet right here. Far left. Right here, yeah. Yes, you, you, sir. 
Yeah. Well, you get extra credit as well. That is totally correct. It is the Yankees. 39 straight seasons. And you knew the years. That's pretty. You sound like a man who deserves to go sit in that suite. So PR will get a chance to come by. They'll grab you, and they will make those arrangements, obviously, on the mutually agreed-upon date. Now, you guys, you, I know you've, as, as Brian was talking about, this organization is covered unlike any other, right? So you have all, you've read about a lot of these guys, and, and you've, you've gotten to see little snippets of their personalities, and hopefully soon you'll be seeing them play at Yankee Stadium and get to know them even better. But tonight we have a wonderful collection of current and future Yankee stars that we want to introduce you to, and here they are. I swear, here they are. Yeah, here we go. Starlin Castro, Chance Adams, Clint Frazier, James Caprillion, and Glaber Torres. All here for us. Come on up and take a seat, guys. And yeah, Marlon, you could slide in there. So just to give you guys a little background, I know you know some of the accomplishments and credentials of these young men, but Starlin Castro, of course, a three-time All-Star who had a career-high 21 home runs this season in his first year in pinstripes. Give it up for Starlin. James Caprillion, who is the Yankees' first-round pick in 2015, back in the Arizona Fall League this year, was hitting 97 miles an hour, one of their top prospects. Says he feels great. Give it up for James. And we have a man, Chance Adams, who had an unbelievable season in the minor leagues, 13-1, with a sub-two-and-a-half ERA between single and double-A. Give it up for Chance. Clint Frazier, you're going to love his bat as much as his personality. He has, as Brian Cashman says, legendary bat speed, one of the prospects the Yankees acquired at the deadline. Give it up for Clint Frazier. And then another one of the very exciting names in the Yankees organization, the MVP of the Arizona Fall League at just 19 years old, Glaber Torres, ladies and gentlemen. So I believe you guys will have some, some mics that you can pass around as the questions go, and we'll continue to take questions from the audience as well. Just you know, raise your hand, PR will find you, and they'll direct you to a microphone. And thank you all for continuing to watch on Yankees.com. I'll start with you, Starlin. Uh, you've been here a year now, and you've been in the big leagues for a while. Still a young guy, though, 26 years old. What, what's the most important thing for these young guys to know as they're trying to make the adjustment to Major League Baseball and, and to get to the show? First of all, hi, everybody. <laughs> just the thing that I, that I always say is just keep, keep working hard and be consistent in whatever you want to do. There's something that you need to get better. You keep an eye on this and, and keep working hard, and you be consistent in the big league. You got a chance to taste the Yankees for the first time this season. What was your first year in pinstripes like? 
Naba, you know, boy, I, I, I am the kind of player that, that, that just want to be better every year, you know. I'm not, I'm not gonna be sitting there and say, oh, okay, I have a good season. No, I just, it's a, it's a new year. The, the, the last year's in the past, is a new year now. And they, they just want to be, to be in the winning team to make the playoffs. That certainly is the goal here for 2017. You know, Clint, a really interesting story the other day with you. Um, I believe it was uh, Kevin Kernan who had the article uh, with you in the Post. And one of the quotes that I, I thought struck out and stood out to me was you said, you're sort of old school when it comes to not wanting to be friends with, you know, players on the other team. They're your enemy when you get on the field. Are you kind of a throwback when it comes to the fraternization with players you're playing against in professional sports? Um, I, I don't have enemies in the minor leagues yet that I know, <laughs> that I know of. But, um, you know, I know if we play the way that people expect us to play, that we will have other people that do not like us. I mean, we're here to win a game. And uh, someone described the Yankees the other day as, Every, or, every other organization is a, a puppy, and we're a beast. So it's going to be, uh, I think, common for people to unli uh, not like us. It, it definitely will. You also, I know you've, uh, you've developed a nice relationship with Reggie Jackson. Tell us a little bit about, about your guys' connection and how that started. Uh, it's, it started at a frozen yogurt place. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I didn't play the way that I wanted when I got traded. You know, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I, I didn't perform at the level that I thought I was capable. And, uh, you know, Reggie saw the frustration, um, my body language and my face, everything. I, I, I wasn't myself. You know, it instructs. I struggled. So, you know, Reggie took it upon himself to, to just get down on a personal level with me and, and try to get to know me as a player and, and kind of take some pressure off my shoulders. And, you know, overall, it was... Uh, He's really good for me. You know, I mean, Reggie's a, a guy that I look up to, a, a father figure, a mentor. Um, so to be able to sit down and, and get to know who Reggie Jackson is, is is a really cool experience. Very cool. Chance, you had a tremendous season at single A and then at double A. Your whip was minuscule. I mean, really, just tremendous. If you were going to give you know, these Yankee fans sort of a scouting report on what kind of pitcher you are, what would you say? Uh, I'd probably just say just going to come after you with what I have. Uh, you know, if you beat me, great. If not, you know, I, I beat you that time. So that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Short and sweet. Glaber, you, you did something that nobody had ever done, winning the Arizona Fall League MVP at 19 years old. You have Yankees fans very excited. What did being MVP of that league with so many great players, what did it tell you about yourself? Bueno, me sentí bastante emocionado. Creo que es uno de los mayores logros que cualquier pelotero pueda lograr. Eh, fue bastante grato saber que fui uno de los peloteros menor que ganó el MVP. Y eso fue un bastante orgullo para, para mí y para mi equipo de los Yankees. So it's, it's very exciting, you know, to win an award like that uh, at a young age. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, I felt proud to win it, uh, not only for me, but for my team, for just representing my team overall and winning that award, you know, it's a great feeling. And James, you were in the Arizona Fall League as well, and I know I was talking to you earlier, and you said, 
you feel good. I mean, compare how you feel now to, to going into to last season and, and where you hope to get to in 2017 with this organization. Uh, how's it going, everybody? Thank you all for coming out, first of all. I'm good to go. I'm 100%. Um, I feel the same as I did during spring. Um, I'm excited. You know, I look around and we had a great group of guys around us. Um, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Yankee. Um, ultimately, I think we all want to be big leaguers like this guy and uh, do what we can to contribute. But our time will come, you know, whenever that is. Um, so all we can do is just, you know, take care of our own game for now. Thank you, James. All right, we're going to take some questions from you guys again. You can just raise your hand. PR will find you, take you to a microphone. We'll start with you, sir. Hi, uh, my name's Alan Lum, and I'm from Queens, uh, New York. Uh, you know, it's been the dream of every kid in New York to play for the Yankees. Could you tell us what was the emotion and feeling when you got that call that you're a Yankee? James, let's start with you on that one. Um, well, going off of that, as a kid from Southern California, uh, it was my dream to wear the pinstripes. Yeah. Growing up, you know, watching the Jeters, uh, the Posadas, the Pettits, those guys were my heroes and my idols, just like a lot of other people in this room. Um, getting that phone call uh, draft day was one of the most emotional and uh, exciting days of my life. Um, still not there yet. Fortunately, uh, fortunately, still working, but hopefully be there soon. And Clint, uh, I'll throw the question to you as well, because, you know, you, you and Glaber uh, ended up with this opportunity in a different way via trade. What was it like for you, gentlemen, same question, when you find out, okay, you're getting traded to the New York Yankees? Uh, you know, at first I didn't know how to react. Um, you know, I called my mom, I told her I got traded, and she just laughed and said, that's a good joke. <laughs> and... Um, she didn't believe me, but you know when it when it finally resonated, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, I'm I'm proud to tell people that I'm part of this organization. I mean, it means something. I I never noticed how many people wore Yankees hats in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live. So, to see the fan base and, and how large it is throughout the country is is very exciting. You know, there's a lot of people that want to see us do good, and I and ultimately I want to play good for them. Awesome. Thank you, sir. We'll go down to this gentleman right here for your question. Hey guys, uh, Tom Dixon, and if you listen to Sports Talk Radio New York, I'm Tom from Chappaqua, so get used to that. <laughs> Welcome to New York, guys. You may have taken my call, Ryan, but anyway, uh, uh, as a season ticket holder since 1987, excited to see the Baby Bombers, and that was my first year of season tickets, got to see Jay Buhner, but uh, anyway, my nephew is a starting catcher at St. John's, Troy, and I uh, wonder if you guys could talk about, maybe Cap, you could talk about, you see the possible overuse of players in college, but any advice you guys might have about how to get up, you know, get your, your, your experience of in the minors, possibly getting up, my, my nephew aspires professional baseball and possibly making it to the show, but thank you, welcome to New York, we're behind you guys, good luck. James, do you want to start with that one? Yeah. Um, you know, going to college was a personal decision for me, it's something that I wanted to do, um, you know, at least work towards my degree. I ended up leaving early, um, but you know, you, you, there's always that question of what's too much, what's too little, um, especially from a pitching perspective. Guys, you know, you never really have the right answer on you know what you know what is the truth. Um, 
and it's 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 different for everybody. Um, some guys long toss every day. Some guys throw 90 feet every day. Everybody's got their own different routine and uh, and handles those things differently. So you know, as for to try and answer your question on on what's too much and what's too little, it's hard to say because ultimately the body you know tells you that that fact and um, only the person in those shoes can know. They they, they should know. Um, as for you know the growth you know through the minor leagues, you know. Personally, for me, um, it's it's been it's been something you know that you just have to continue to to work towards and, and grind out, and uh, you know you really have to dig deep down and understand you know is this something you want to do? And uh, like I said earlier, uh, this I want to be a Yankee, and uh, I'm going to continue to work until I am. You know, just to follow up on that, Chance, you you went to a couple schools. Uh, in college and obviously now you've, you're working your way up through this system and really tearing through but how much has your routine changed since your first collegiate experience to what you have now as you get ready for your minor league starts it changed a little bit because i went from reliever to starter so uh you know i've incorporated more running uh instead of lifting you know every time right after i pitch i have to wait like a day or two i got to get a lot more conditioning and stuff like that so I would say just for that aspect, that's all that really changed. My throwing's been the same. Um, you know, my, my routine stayed the same, but it, it changed just a little bit. You know, and it, your question's a good one, too, because it also opens up, you know, for the guys who, like Starlin, turned to me and said, hey, man, I didn't, I didn't go to school, right? You, you, you're signed. You're right in the organization as a young kid. Starlin, for you, when you're in an organization at, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, how are you able to process that it's going to be some time. Now, you got to the big leagues early, but you're going to have to put in some years in the minor leagues before you end up getting to the big leagues. How do you go through that process and stay patient? We're just following the coaches, you know, because we don't know nothing. We just have the talent when I sign Dominican by 16. I just come in with academy, with academy and leave my family. It's something like like tough because we, 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 we're going to be in the in the academy for that. We just try to prepare, prepare themselves, follow the coaches, and, and just try to do whatever they say. You know, Glaber, you left Venezuela, and obviously now 19 years old in the Yankees organization, but you spent some years in the Cubs organization. How scary is that at first when you're, you know, you're a young teenager and you're all of a sudden thrust into a, a profession? Mi primer año lo jugué con 17 años y sabes un poco duro adaptarse a Estados Unidos, el idioma y alejarse de su familia. Simplemente creo que es bastante bueno la ayuda de los coaches y <ríe> sorry. No. <ríe> y <ríe> y es bueno ¿sabes? seguir los consejos para así poder Assimilar todo lo que pueda pasar en ese año. My first pro year was was when I was 17, and at the time it was it was tough, you know, com coming to a new country, uh, not knowing the language, and you get to get. I got homesick, you know, and it's tough, you know. But like Starling said, you know, you follow the coaches and uh, you follow the training and you keep focus on your goal. Awesome. Thank you. Go ahead, sir. How you doing? I'm Ralph Brocko from Long Island, New York. Uh, I'm a 40-year season ticket holder, so uh, 
it's a little uncharted waters for me, seeing how much we've gone through from the great championships in the 70s. Uh, it's a two-part question, once for Starling. Uh, with the Cubs winning this year, how much of a disappointment? I mean, first of all, no one could be disappointed ever being a New York Yankee. But just leaving the year that that team does something historical and wins the championship? First of all, I feel happy for the city of Chicago and the, my, 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 my ex-teammate. But by the, at the same time, I feel like a little sad because I'm leaving. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be part, part of, the, of, the, of the team for like seven years, the other losing team. And the, right when I left, happened the World Series win. But <laughs> I, feel, I still feel happy because the last year, my last year in there, we make the playoff. And that's my first time we pl I play playoff. That's called the Don Mattingly effect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other one's a general question for all of them. Um, like I said, it's a little bit of uncharted waters for a guy like me, been around for so long watching it. Um, we didn't know, it snuck up on us really quickly with the core four, the fair five actually, as I like to say it, mm -hmm. that they grew so young and they became so great. And what we got out of it was simply fantastic and unbelievable. And it's, it's the new generation of Yankee greats. And now we got a young group of guys that those are the guys that they really have to live up to. And this is really the first time, long, long time, that we really don't have superstars at every position. And the fans are looking now to a bunch of young guys. And we hear the hype that we're getting from, you know, the news and the, uh, the coaches and the GM and everything like that. And we see the direction that they're going. What kind of attitude as far as like bringing yourself to the major league level, being in the minor leagues, it's a different ball game today. How much of it do you change as far as like even just the dedication, like they touched on with Brian with the, the shift, how much is that implemented in the minor leagues? I mean, as far as learning that type of game and what do you feel that you need to bring to live up to the aspects of the group that just left? You know what, let's, let's start with the, let's start with the second part of what all you right. just asked, all right? And, and that's, you know, dealing with the expectations. As you guys know and can see from the reaction from all the, you know, awesome Yankees fans that are here today, people are excited about you, right? And they look at you guys and they say, oh, that's our next generation of, of Yankee stars like our core four, Fab Five, if you want to call it that. But also we know you guys are your own people and you're going to go on your own path. So how do you, James, I'll start with you. How do you deal with knowing that, you know, knowing the, what comes with being homegrown, uh, you know, homegrown Yankee players and the expectations of what that has meant here in recent history? I think you kind of said it. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, I can't be Derek Jeter because I'm James Caprillion. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I wish I could. We all um, wish we could, yeah. James. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, you got a bunch of guys up here, um, you know, who push each other in the right direction. Um, you know, we're all coming up together. And I think, you know, there's something to be said about um, this group, not only the ones here, but the ones who aren't here. Um, there's a lot of leadership. I feel like there's a lot of the same qualities um, that you might see in that core four, the Fab Five. Um, but you really can't, you can't say because we just don't know yet. And, you know, at the end of the day, only time will tell if we get that opportunity together. Um, 
But I think, you know, the one consistent thing is you're going to see a bunch of guys who are, you know, going to continue to work just like that same group. And, you know, I'll ask your more specific as far as the teachings question goes this way. Clint, I'll ask you, when you see, you know, the way that major league defenses are shifting now, and I know you guys deal with it on the minor league level as well, has that at all changed how you guys go into your approach when it comes to, to hitting and, and preparing for an at-bat, knowing where the defense is? Um, I, I think for me, I didn't see so much shift on myself, but I got to experience the frustration that it, it did to one of my good teammates uh, with Cleveland. His name is Bradley Zimmer, and he, he got pool happy. He just wanted to pull the ball down the right field line, and they would shift everyone um, to second base, and, and you could see the things that he was trying to change mid at bat, and ultimately it, it threw him off his game. I mean, it's a, it's a mental block. So as far as myself, I haven't experienced it, but I know going into it, I, I try to make myself a um, all-fields hitter. That way they have to keep the guys in position. I mean, I, I'm not trying to just hit it to one location. I'm, I'm hitting it where the pitch is thrown. Starlin, you see it at the major league level <laughs> when it comes to shifts. Do you, when you're stepping into the box, are you looking at the defense at all to see where they're lined up, and is that affecting your at-bat? They not affect me, but I only can say one thing. If either the shift don't work, everybody stop doing it. They, they keep doing it because they work. Like, it's not easy hitting in the hole. Like, you see nobody playing second base, it's not easy hitting over there. Because they, they, they pull your mind crazy because you try sometimes the hitting over there and you pull the ball. Like, like, I, tell you, like, like I always do, I just think in, think in middle, try to hit the ball in the middle of the field. All right. Because, Thank you very much, sir. Because, you know, we're all sitting home watching the shift and we're saying, but they're major league ball players. They should be able to hit that one. Right, and, that, and now you have the answer that when you, Perfect. When you try you. and do it, it's not that easy to pull off, right? Thank you, Thank you for your question, Good sir. Luck. Go ahead. Tim Ock, Bronx, New York. I'm just wondering, uh, you guys are pretty young, uh, personally young players coming from different parts of the country. Uh, how much, I mean, New York's a pretty unique city for anybody to get used to. Uh, do you like New York? or uh, And how much does uh, your personal life play into your uh, professional game? I mean, it's a big difference from where you're coming from. And uh, being uptown, I want to see Sterling Castro how is it uptown with the Dominicans and the Mongo? How's the food up there? Do you like the, uh, you like the Mongo up there on uh, Dykeman Street? I just want to know. Uh, 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 bueno. So, you want to, you, I mean, you've gotten a year of New York, so we'll ask you first, Starlin, what it's like here. I really like it. I really like it. <laughs> For sure, I really like it. Especially the, best, the most thing that I like is, is where those pins right. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's the most thing, the happy thing that happened in my life for me and my family, to be a Yankee and in this beautiful city. You know, we can, we, can, we can have here whatever we want. Nice. Chance, uh, you're from Scottsdale, Arizona. We'll be heading back there maybe as soon as tomorrow, right? W what's it like uh, for you coming to the city, seeing the bright lights, and the thought of you know, playing in this city? It's pretty cool. It's a, it's a fun place to be. I've been here a few times, and I always go around and check out the sites again. So it's, it's pretty cool to be able to be here and be in this amazing city with all these people. So it's pretty cool. And Glaber, I know if, I, if I'm saying this correctly, I believe this is your first time ever to New York City today, right? So 
if we could get Glaber a mic, what? Oh, you got one? He's got one. What, what, what are just your initial impressions getting to see this city for the first time? Let me try in English. So. <laughs> uh, I'm, so, I'm so happy, super excited. Um, New York, uh, everybody say New York is beautiful, it's a big one. Uh, um, really like this, this first time. I'm so, so excited. My family texts me every time, hey, how is New York? <laughs> how is the weather? How is the food? Um, and say, I'm super excited. It's, it's pretty good. It's super special. Um, and enjoy this day with all fans and enjoy everything right now. Awesome. Very good. Go ahead, miss. Um, I know, Starling, you've been with the Yankees for a year, but um, the, the rest of you, um, do you guys, are you guys going to feel any pressure in playing in New York? Because I know some athletes here like, feel the pressure here. Uh, Clint, let's start with you on that. Do you think you will feel added pressure in this city? Um, I did <laughs> last year. Yeah. But I felt like that was... Like I said earlier, I was trying to fill Andrew Miller's shoes instead of my own. And you get outside of your comfort zone when people start, um, I guess, um, questioning your ability on the field. But I guess the biggest thing that I try to do is deep down, I know who I am. I know what I can accomplish. And I know I can't appeal to everybody. So for me, it's, it's more of I think I'm going to deal with more um, internal pressure. And if I can minimize that. I think I'll be able to flourish on the field. Are there mechanisms that you use to minimize that, just to you know stay present or remind yourself, you know that it is up to you and, and to not let those exterior factors affect you? I think it starts a lot with the people that you surround yourself with. You know, and I have a strong uh, core of supporters, and you know I think the way that the the Yankees have set up their minor league system, their big league system is there's too many amazing factors there for us not to be successful. So the, the people that I get to meet on a daily basis, the people I get to be around, they've, they've got good things. And you know, I'm gonna take everything I can from them and, and make the most of it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be here and ultimately I'm blessed to be here. I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm a Yankee. Very nice, Clint. Thank you. Oh, you have a follow-up. All right. By the way, I meant, I meant to mention, my name is Madison Miller and I'm from Monroe Township, New Jersey. Very nice, Madison. Hey, give it up for Madison. Go ahead, up top. Martino, I'm from Upper South River, New Jersey. This one's for Frazier. Um, my dad's actually a good friend of Reggie Jackson because he uh, has tickets on the first base sign, was heckling him his whole career. Mm -hmm. I hope we can build that same relationship. But um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I was, I was uh, kind of wondering, do you think, were, were you worried about cutting your hair at all joining the Yankees? And also, what is your max bench press? <laughs> and what is your max bench press? I think we all were wondering that, Clint. So go ahead and take both of those. I was terrified. <laughs> um, I, I kind of built up uh, a reputation for my hair with Cleveland, but I guess the biggest thing that I, I try to do is don't let my hair be bigger than my game. You know, I... I, the, the way I explained it to my parents, though, is 
to, and I made a joke to Bryce Harper the other day that people took the wrong way. To cut your hair is, is an honor to, to wear the, the uniform we get to wear. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do that to make sure I can be on the team. As far as bench press goes, um, 390. That is the impressive number we were expecting to hear. Very nice. Go ahead in the back up top there. Hi, Christine from Queens and uh, Yankee fan, 58 years. Um, spring training is about a month away now, and I guess you guys have been doing some winter workouts. When you go to spring training, do you have a, a list of things you want to work on? Have the coaches given you things that you need to look, you know, work on starting in spring training? And what are your expectations after spring training? You know what? Let's start with you, Starlin, and how that works at the major league level when you're coming back. Uh, as a major league player to a spring training. What, what, are you given specific things to work on in the offseason? I mean, we, 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 work, we work hard in the offseason. We, we just don't, don't have any, any, any days off. And the, when, when we come into the spring training, we just, we just get ready there. And whatever we need to do, we do it. We just try to get better, not only hitting, we try, we try to get better in everything, you know, especially by myself. Every time I tell the coaches, let's let's work extra and defense. Let's go hitting extra. Let's run the bases and guide dog kind of stuff. James, how about for you? What's the uh, the focus for you on on things that maybe you've been given or you're working on on your own as you get ready for for this spring? There hasn't really been anything given to me um, as for things to work on, but you know I think just overall, you look at these guys. Uh, like Castro to my right, you know these these guys who can play at the top level um, are the most consistent ball players. And in order to play at that level, and and you know we all want to be the best, uh, we need to be the most consistent. Um, trying to be as consistent as possible, uh, that's important to me as a person. And and you know my philosophy is you know, you know work as hard as you can every single day. That way, you know when you get to pick up the rock every five days, you know everything else is easy. Very nice. Thank you. Go down here, we got a tag team question here. Okay, uh, I can't get Christopher to talk here, but Christopher is a, um, a lifelong Yankee fan and is a, um, a sweet hitting middle infielder. So he was very excited when Starlin came to the Yankees. Um, his question is, who is someone that from when you were younger that you followed that really hooked you on the baseball? Because one of the things that excites me in the coming years is having someone that he can grow up with and follow along in the Yankees. So, thank you. Great question. Starlin, why don't you start with that one? The, the first thing, the, 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 the first guy that put me to play baseball is my father. That's like a young, like a young kid right now. He always tell me that they want to be a baseball player, and the, the guy that I always look it up is the Miguel Tejada and Derek Jeter. That's the... the, the the two guys that inspired myself to, to, to play shortstop, to play middle infield. This is one I'd love to get all your guys' answers on who that player was for you uh, as you grew up. James, I know you kind of gave us a little bit of an indication before, but I'll, I'll throw it to you again. Uh, yeah, kind of like Castro just said, uh, my dad was the one who put the ball in my hand, and um, he was my Little League coach every year. 
we were the Yankees every year. <laughs> um, but, you know, he pointed out the guys, you know, who you needed to watch. And for me, it was Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. And you watch those guys play and, um, you know, they're tremendous workers. Um, they're the last ones out there every single day. And they play the game the, the right way. How about you, Chance? Uh, growing up, my, my father was the first one who, you know, got me started on it. Uh, going out every day to the field and playing catch, taking grounders and whatnot. But um, I grew up watching, you know, Dimebacks, Yankees. Um, so. Nice. Quinn? Uh, my mom actually got me started. <laughs> uh, she would throw to me every day in the front yard when my dad was at work. Um, so I guess when I struggle, it's her fault. When I do good, it's hers as well. <laughs> um, I didn't watch much baseball growing up. Um, my favorite player was Ryan Howard, but I, I didn't really know much about him. I just watched him in a home run derby. But uh, I don't watch the sport outside of when I'm playing. The only time I did was when the Indians were playing the Cubs, and I'm glad one team won. <laughs> and Glaber, how about for you? Who were the players uh, or, or player who you looked up to uh, as a young kid growing up in Venezuela? Uh, my parents too. So my, my, my mom is big fan from the Yankees. Oh. Uh, and my dad to the Boston. So <laughs> he's so big. Um, when I got four years uh, my, ma my mom and my dad say labor need to play baseball. And my mom say, okay, just let's see. My mom loves baseball, but loves school too. And my dad too, I say. And my dad say, play baseball. Um, if it's a good player, go to professional, uh, stay, play. If not, go to a school. And I say, okay, go <laughs> give me the opportunity. Um, always was Omar Vizquel, uh, a lot of gold glove. Um, every day I say that I I wanna I wanna play the same Omar Vizquel. Uh, my dad say okay, you you watch Vizquel, um, maybe you you better do that. It's a and great say, one okay. to watch. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great fielder. Thank you, sir, and Christopher for your question. Go ahead, sir. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Good evening. Uh, Jamie Agolia from Rockaway Beach. Uh, my question to you is uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the. The football scene, but the Giants and Jets are out. And there are a lot of people in this room that will root against New England just because we feel in our brains Boston is connected. We have a true dislike for Boston here. We really don't like Boston. That's the way we, it's in our blood. My question to you is this when you wear those Yankee pinstripes, there's 50,000 screaming. You can't be soft. You gotta be a Yankee now. How are you gonna handle the screaming, yelling Boston fans in Fenway? How are you gonna handle that? <laughs> you know what, Starlin, let's start with you because you've actually gotten to experience it now. So how do you handle it at Fenway? It's, it's making me excited to play hard when I hear those fans screaming. You know, it's a mean that there's a really good game going on. <laughs> And how about Chance, when you're taking the mound, if you're in a hostile environment like that, how do you envision yourself handling? Just fine, you know, just uh, pitching and <laughs> throwing strikes. And 
stuff like that. It's another day playing baseball. It's a good approach. Thank you very much, sir. We'll go right here. Hello, I'm Chris Grievous from Bayside, New York. And I'm Yankees account holder since 1976, 41 years, and very proud to be. His question's for Starlin Castro. Congratulations on a good, solid first year with the Yankees. My Thank you. My question to you, Starlin, was notice you had a career high in home runs with 21 this past season, and you sacrificed a little bit of your batting average. Do you see yourself striving for a little more power? And where would you like to hit in the lineup? When I, when I came out, to the Cubs to hear that we come in my first year here with the Yankees. You know, we 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 just talking with the here hitting coach and coaches and the we, we do pretty good routine. I think we, we do we do really good routine that make me hit the ball with power, especially the other side to, to the field, you know, and the like I say all the time, I always I always working hard. I wanna be better every year. Thank you, Stalin. Thank you, sir. Have some more questions to come for these guys as we continue the uh, winter warm-up town hall event here. And thanks to everybody watching on Yankees.com and all you guys hanging out this evening. We have we have a little more trivia for you guys if you're up for it for another giveaway. Yeah, Cashman seats are gone. I'm sorry, that prize is gone. You have to grovel with that guy later. But we do have a baseball signed by all of tonight's attendees to give away. In fact, we have a couple of them. So I have two questions for you guys. We'll have two winners. First question. Starlin Castro and Didi Gregorius, both 26 years old in 2016, formed the youngest Yankees regular starting middle infield pairing in 30 years. Can you name the last regular Yankees double play combo to play alongside each other at a younger age? At a younger age. All right, Christopher, go ahead. Oh, no, false alarm. All right, all good. Good guess. The captain was a little older than we don't have to tell him that, but it's all right. Good guess. Uh, did I see uh, in the back? Yeah, pinstripe. Yes, you, sir. Bucky Denton, Willie Randolph, he says. Well, it's good he said that because he's correct. Very nicely done, sir. <laughs> we, will, we will get you your autographed baseball. And we have one more ball sign from these gentlemen that we will give to whoever can answer this question correctly. Now, with the Yankees' highest MLB draft selection in 22 years, they selected what prospect 16th overall in 2015? This young woman right here, yes? Very good, James Caprillion, you know, and you're listening, and we like both those things, so congratulations, you are a winner. James was indeed the highest draft pick taken since Matt Drews Picked 13th in 1993. Long time. And obviously, when you're winning as many World Series, that's what happens, right? You pick towards the end of the draft. So we have signed baseballs for both of you. PR will come find you and get you that. We may have another prize or two in a little bit with some trivia, but we'll continue the questions with that gentleman right there. How you doing? Uh, my name is Terry Wilburn, and uh, I drove six and a half hours with my oldest daughter to get up here today to, to to see y'all, so just want to let you know. Very nice. You're talking about a fan base. That's a fan base. Um, it's a pleasure to be in the same room with the Steinbrenner family and Brian Cashman and you guys. It's an honor. 
Thank you for being here. My, uh, my earliest memory of, a, of the New York Yankees is long before any of you guys were born. <laughs> I was walking home from uh, elementary school listening to my little transistor radio when that damn Bill Mazeronski hit a home run. And I ain't never forget, forgive him or the Pirates ever since. So, um, just, just for you guys being young, don't be somebody else. Be yourself. Be yourself. Good advice. Thank you very much, sir. You, you know what? I think Jason Zillow our esteemed colleague and, and the man who put this together is 100% right about this. You get a ball for driving six and a half hours here. You deserve that autographed baseball. Yes, and it's all of these gentlemen's autographs on that baseball. So all of them, you get that baseball. Congratulations and thank you for making the trip, sir. Go ahead, sir. Good evening, everyone. Gentlemen, uh, Jamie Rodriguez, North Oregon, New Jersey, lifelong Yankee fan. Um, bienvenido, Graber. Gracias. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little something about that you want us to know about you guys and what you're going to bring to our team. Nice, oh, I like before it. Before we start there, yeah. can you keep the hair? Can you keep the hair? <laughs> Asking Brian Cash. I tried, but I tried. <laughs> Sorry, Clint, sure. the hair is not going to stay, apparently. The boss has chimed in. <laughs> but that's good. You know what? That's one where we can go down. Glaber, let's start with you. Tell, if you could just tell us a little something about yourself that, you know, maybe people don't know, something personal, something you know you're going to bring to the table or something about your personality. Uh, so... Algo, cualquier cosa. In Spanish or English? Como quieras. <coughs> English. Uh, I love shopping. So, <laughs> it's my, my hobby. When I day off of the season or something, my, my season, I go to the mall, I walk, I mean, like two, three hours. I say something with my, my roomie. I say, you want to go with me? Uh, always, he say no because you watch a lot of stuff in the mall. I say, okay, I go a lot every time. Well, you're in the right city for that addiction. Oh, no, with Jersey, no sales tax on clothing. Clint, how about something about, uh, about yourself that maybe people don't know that you'd like to share? Um, so I grew up in a, a really strong Christian environment. Um, I went to a Christian school up until fifth grade before um, we moved, and so I guess I was raised in an environment where uh, you put others before yourself, so I, I have a kind of a desire to not only impact people on the field, but off the field as well. That's great. Chance will throw the same question to you. I like, uh, I like the outdoors a lot. I like to go camping, uh, work on cars, uh, stuff like that. You know, it's kind of outdoorsy type things. So. so if car breaks, you're the guy to go to. You know how to fix them right away? Roughly, yeah. Oh, very nice. All right. You're going to be very useful besides on the mound with the Yankees. <laughs> James, how about you? Uh, 
I don't want to get too sentimental, but uh, I watched my mom battle um, breast cancer for 14 years. Um, so seeing her fight, I think, um, you know, for as long as she did throughout my whole life, basically, uh, for me, that's something that kind of gives me the drive to be strong in whatever it is I want to do um, and kind of continue to, you know, bring that around, around the people uh, who are with me. Um, just understanding, you know, enjoying the simple things in life. Um, you know, it's really just a blessing to be here right now and just en enjoying life, I guess. And if I can do that as a Yankee, that'd be great. All right, Starlin, how about you? We, we know you a little bit, but what's something that maybe we don't know that we should? I'm a really family guy. I got two kids, one boy, one girl, and that's, that's the, the two kids that I always spend my time, and I like fishing. And I always fishing when, I, when I'm not playing. The first thing is I, I love baseball. I love playing baseball, but after that, I always fishing. Any fishing in spring training with CeCe? I know he always loves fishing there, too. I didn't go yet, but I, I go this year. Very nice. All right. <laughs> We're going to take... One more question from you guys for these gentlemen, and it will be you, sir. One more. Uh, Bob Genovese, West Haven, Connecticut. Um, being a Yankee fan and seeing Bobby Mercer's career from start to finish, uh, Don Mattingly's career start to finish, and Derek Jeter's start to finish. Look, you guys got all got a chance to do this as a Yankee, as, as total Yankees. So. Um, my, I guess that was just a statement. The question is, pitching inside, guys, getting these guys off the plate who want to own you, pitch inside. That's, that's not even a question. That's a statement. <laughs> Get the guys off the plate who are hurting you. That's your, that's your plate. Go get them. So I don't think that's a question. That's but you I'm know what? Say. Let's turn it into a question. Okay. All right. So now, the hitters don't like that. No, no. I'm sorry. No. That, but you have to own the plate. The hitters definitely don't like that. James, yeah. let's start with you. Ha I mean, how important is that to pitch inside if you're going to make sure that a hitter is not comfortable in the box? It's extremely it. important. Um, Pitching is a little bit of cat and mouse. And, uh, you know, I know the guy next to me and myself, when we both pitch, uh, we try and both attack guys and keep that bulldog mentality. And if that means going inside, that's what we're going to do. Um, we both like to throw hard. And... We're going to come right at guys. Um, owning the inner, inner third of the plate is extremely important. Um, but being able to put that ball wherever you want is even more important. Uh, those are the guys who are successful. Um, that's what we're going to try and be. Thank you for your question. So, Chance, you want to crack at it too? Yeah. Kind of just you basically answered for both of us. But, yeah, it's extremely important to work both halves, but especially, especially inner half as well. Very nice. Thank you, sir. All right, we have one more trivia question before we let these gentlemen go. We have one more baseball autograph by all of them. And the question is this. Which two of tonight's guests began their careers as shortstops in the Cubs organization? Let's see. You, sir. You got it. That is correct. Labor Torres, Starlin Castro both did. We'll have an autograph baseball for you, sir. All of you, thank you so much for coming out this evening. Thank you to all of you, young and current Yankee stars.
for being here tonight. Let's give a round of applause to all these gentlemen who we look forward to seeing play in the Bronx. And a round of applause for yourselves for making this a wonderful evening. MLB.TV Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.TV Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.TV for details.